Thanks so much for joining Home Church. Today, as we begin to worship, I just want to challenge you to prepare your hearts, to get your minds ready for what God wants to do in your life today.
thanks for joining in again today at Sanctuary. And uh, we're going to talk today about pleasing God and what does it mean to be holy. We're in a series called Living Past the Altar. And uh, we invite you to join with us on this journey of learning what it means to be a dwelling place of God's Spirit uh, and living holy. But let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for every person listening or watching this online. God, that you will use this conversation of your word, Lord, that you will deepen our hearts to a reverent awe of who you are. Lord, may one person just be touched by this uh, teaching today, God. May, may we all go deeper, God, to see you as holy, to see ourselves as holy, Lord, to walk in the power and the identity that you have so graciously given us in Jesus' name. Amen. What does it mean to please God? And maybe one of the biggest questions for us today to answer is, does my life please God? What, what could be a better question than that? Does, does your life actually please God? There's a lot of people who could give you different interpretations and things you could read and all kinds of videos you could watch and, and articles you could listen to and get people's opinion. But what does God really say about your life? Do you please Him? Are you living in a way that is going to please Him in eternity? When you die, will He say, hey, come on in, welcome, good and faithful servant? How do you know if your life is pleasing to God? You know, there was a moment uh, in Exodus chapter 3 when Moses, for the first time, saw God. He was in a burning bush, and, and he says to Moses, come near or draw near to me. Come up here, Moses. But then he says, stop. Take off your sandals for the place, even where you are over there, is holy ground. Uh, and he would, uh, even as he began to speak, the Bible says that Moses bowed down. He feared, he trembled even over what God was saying. Because God says, come near, but to a point. After that, he says, come as I am. And maybe that's one of the, the things that are misunderstood in Scripture today. Uh, God is holy. That means he is otherly, he is set apart. And uh, what does that look like for your life and for my life? Uh, Pastor Christian, we've been talking about the tabernacle, and we'll just review it as we get into our scripture. But we've learned here that God is holy. And this, this whole tabernacle that God told Moses to build is an illustration of who Jesus is and who we are every step of the way. And so God was holy. He desired to dwell among his people, but they couldn't come near him because he was consuming fire. So he devised this promised plan that he wanted to dwell in the midst of their camp. And he would put his presence, but it would be veiled. And he would, even in the middle of that, though he was veiled, they would be able to come near to a point. And along the, those, all those rules and religious, all those things that he would do, he would begin to deal with their sin right. upon the bronze altar. But there was a group of people who were the priesthood, the Levites, they were able to go in to that holy place. And let's talk about that today. I think one of the problems that uh, we all deal with is uh, taking sin lightly. Uh, even even our, us, we, we were talking about it just a while ago, just taking sin uh, lightly and being in view of God's holy presence. And so many messages we hear today in the church are, hey, come as you are, come as you are, come as you are. God loves you, come as you are. And that is so very true. But when we go back to the revelation of who God is, to a point God says, come as you are. But then he says, come as I am. And we're going to talk about that, come as I am today. What has God done for us? Uh, what can and can't we do to please God? And who are we 
in Christ. Let's look uh, today in Exodus chapter 26, verse 31. We're going to talk about being called holy, being made holy, and being holy. Uh, Pastor Christian, let's read this together today. Exodus chapter 26, verse 31. All right, it says this. You shall make a veil of blue and purple and scarlet material and fine twisted linen. It shall be made with cherubim, the work of a skillful workman. You shall bring it on four pillars of acacia overlaid with gold, their hooks also being of gold. On the four sockets of, of, of silver, you shall hang up the veil under the clasp and shall bring it in the ark of the testimony there within the veil. And the veil shall serve for you as a partition between the holy place and the holy of holies. You shall put the mercy seat of the ark of the testimony in the holy of holies. You shall set the table outside of the veil and the lampstand opposite the table on the side of the tabernacle toward the south. And you shall put the table on the north side. So God says, I want you to build me a sanctuary, a holy place, a set-apart place that I might dwell, that I might tabernacle among you. And he gives Moses all these uh, instructions for building this tent, this tabernacle, this sanctuary. Uh, and it was, come as you are. But then for a group of people, it was come as I am. And so let's just tell you a little bit about it, and then we're going to talk uh, really about what that means for you and for us today. Uh, so uh, they would make a sacrifice. They would, we said in our last lesson, they would identify with that sacrifice. They would shed the blood, and by faith, they would live that that sacrifice atoned for their sin. But there was a group of people called the priests, the priesthood, who were Levites. And these priests, the sons of Aaron, had to wear certain robes and garb. That robe actually was taken from the veil inside the holy place. They were to make the sacrifice for men even before they could go in. They had to make a sacrifice for themselves. They would have the blood dipped upon their, uh, their, their ears, their thumbs, their toes. They would have it dipped upon the robes that they were. And after they made the sacrifice for men, before they could go into these, this, this tabernacle, this sanctuary, this tent, they would wash in the water, uh, was this basin, and that would symbol, symbolize the washing of the Holy Spirit. And as they entered into this tent, this tabernacle, there would be two rooms, a first room and a second room. The first room would have this golden lampstand, this menorah that symbolized the light, the truth of God, which we know today is Jesus. There would be a table of bread, which would symbolize that God was the bread of life, the true manna that's come out of heaven. Again, a foreshadow of Jesus. Then there would be a, an altar of incense, a little square altar of incense that would go over the veil, looking, kind of symbolizing the prayers of the people going to God. And then inside the most holy place, the holy place is the first one, then the most holy place. That's really where God's spirit fully tangibly dwelt. And if you've seen Indiana Jones, you know what the Ark of the Covenant is. And that would be this box covered with gold. And in that and upon this gold chest would be the mercy seat. That would be this part. And that's where they would atone for the sins of man. And God's spirit would dwell between the two angels. And even to go into that place, only one priest, the high priest, once a year could go into that place on fear of death. He had to believe that the blood sacrifice had atoned for his sin. He had to obey the word of God of how God said, come to him by faith. And as he entered that place, he would fill it with smoke, a, a, a cloud of incense, so that he might not fully look upon God and even die. But that's this tabernacle. So, come as you are. But after the altar, 
it was come as I am. You must come in as holy, for he is a holy God. Now, pastors, we can talk about repeat offenders uh, in, in our life. I think one of the things that if we were to look at um, people who get out of prison, let's say that we go to prison uh, or someone goes to prison for a crime, we see this on these movies, that, hey, they go to jail, they go to jail for us, let's say robbing a bank, Right. And then they get out after, say, paying 10 years into prison. And then what's the first thing they, some of them do? They rob a bank rob again. A bank. Yeah. So what do we say to that? It's like, how stupid, how ignorant, how foolish exactly. uh, can you be? But isn't that sometimes how we are as Christians? As, as we look at what we do with God. Hey, God, please forgive me my sin. I'll never do that again. Right. And then what happens? We often go back and do it again. So how do I... How do I one? How do I get beyond that, and how do I live uh, to be holy? Israel had the same problem. They would come in, they'd make a sacrifice, and because only the priesthood could come into the presence of God, mm -hmm. they never could do it. They would come in, make a sacrifice, go back out, mm -hmm. sin again. Right. Come in, make a sacrifice, go back out, sin again. Mm -hmm. Now I think that's how a lot of Christians live today. We never make it past the altar. Right. And uh, what are what are some things that you see that maybe we, uh, even though God is in their midst, how is it that we continue to, to never get this? Well, you know, I think for, if we're, if we're talking about back, way back when, right, when all of this was, was the only way that, you know, God wanted to dwell among them. That's why they had this whole setup right here, right? To come in, to sacrifice, and then from there, you know, uh, the, the priests, um, had to make the you know go into and atone for the the sins of the people and that's that's what they had to do they, they didn't really have a choice to really right. get past the altar they had to bring they had to put the work in like we talked about last week put the work into the animal or the grain or the flour or whatever to crush it and they even had to sacrifice right here right you know they made the sacri they they killed the animal to atone for they had blood on their hands and then the priest would take it into sacrifice and do, go through all of the other steps. Right. And then they had to go back out. Yeah. You know, they, and it was a, just a continual every, every year, everything, you know, process. It was back and forth, back and forth. Well, for us, it's the same way. Yeah. Except we have a choice to go past the That's altar. Right. That's right. We have a choice to, to make it past the altar into the holies of holies. Um, and we don't have to go in and come out, go in and come out, go in and come out often. That's the way it works, though. Right. That's the way it happens. Most Christians don't have a revelation of what we're about to talk about in a second. Exactly. They just, they come in, and, and last week we talked about how they didn't really want to surrender everything. They just surrender partial or yeah. part of that sin. This is the part I want to give you, God, but I'm going to take the rest of this, and I'm going to go back out because I'm not ready to surrender that over to you yet. Right. And that's the reason they don't pass the altar. They don't right. ever get past that certain point. And it's just this continual cycle of yeah. over and over and over and over again, and they never make it past the altar. Yeah, there's a verse in Leviticus where Israel, God says to Israel, He says, And you shall be holy to me, for I, the Lord, am holy, and have separated you from all the peoples, that you should be mine. And He says, right. just a few verses earlier in Leviticus 20, verse 7, He says, Consecrate yourself and be holy, for I am the Lord your God, and you shall keep my statutes, perform them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. That means I am the Lord who makes you holy. Right. And I think Israel in those days, uh, and even many of us in our religiosity, we don't realize what God had called us to. Everything for them was external. It was an external holiness. I'm just going to come and do the works and go back out and live 
how I want to. They, right. they didn't have the, the Holy Spirit on the inside of them. It was only by works. It was only by what they do to try to be holy. Mm -hmm. And for them, they forgot the whole point that God was trying to make them holy too. Right. He wanted to fellowship with them. He wanted mm -hmm. to draw them near into His presence, but everything was veiled. No one could come past the altar. No one could see into the holy place. Uh, like like the priest could, could and then only one priest once a year could see into the most holy place no one most most of the time no one ever saw this box no one ever saw god's presence come down except for one man once a year and even then it was veiled it was clouded mm -hmm. so how do they possibly live holy well they had a problem just like you and i do maybe your life today has also been religious much like them we've never really gone past into that deeper place with god Maybe you have an addiction problem. Maybe you have a thought problem. Maybe it's depression that keeps coming back or, or a habit that you really want to break. And it seems like, and I just come to God, I ask Jesus to die for my sins, I ask Him for forgiveness, and I just go back out again, and there it is. Man, that thing is right there. And I'm just doing it over and over again. It seems like this ritual doesn't work. And so many Christians, even today, try Christianity out for a while. And they say, you know what? It just, it didn't help me. I, I, I asked Jesus to die for me. And I asked Him into my heart, but then it was just like, man, that those behaviors kept coming back those thoughts kept coming back and and I just never got victory over sin let's talk about what Jesus has really done for you because maybe you only have a shadowed a veiled understanding just like they did of what God wants to do in your life let's talk about what Jesus did uh, pastor Christian read for us first Corinthians chapter 6 we're gonna read verse 11 and then 19 through 20 but Jesus death became a sacrificial atonement for you and for me he died on that bronze altar which is the cross of Christ for our sin so that we might pass into what God has always designed to give us is access into his presence so let's read this together what Paul says all right it says this such were some of the unrighteous but you were washed but you were sanctified but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the name in the spirit of our God. Or do you not know what your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. So Pastor Christian, here here's what this what the Apostle Paul, man, he is saying something phenomenal. I think that if as a, as a modern-day Christian, we may not understand because we don't understand this whole temple uh, tabernacle process. So he says the word temple there, which after the tabernacle was built, you know, in the days of Solomon, now Solomon builds a temple, uh, and then there would be a temple in the day of Jesus. But it's the same word here that what Paul is saying. He's saying, don't you know that now you, your bodies, are the dwelling place and the word in the Greek there is the sanctuary of God. That means he's saying, not just this whole big process are you, but he says, this last room, there's the holy place and the most holy place where God's spirit dwelt you know, in the Ark of the Covenant. He says, you are that room. You are the sanctuary. You are the set apart place. Don't you know that that's who you are? That that's what Christ has done for you, that you have been made into where, as if this thing dwells in me. Mm -hmm. And so how should you live now? Knowing who you are. And perhaps most of the time, what we deal with really is an identity crisis. We talk right. about this reaching our, our, new gener our young generations is, who are you? Right. Who are you in Christ? It, are you unaware of what happens on that altar and who he's made you to be? And are you, do you have a calling to live up to it? 
So there was the external holiness that they kept trying and trying and trying but failed. But what God through Christ was doing, he says, no, you had a, just a veiled experience of my spirit. Now I'm putting an internal holiness in you. Mm -hmm. Now I'm putting the internal dwelling of the Holy Spirit inside right. of you so that now you can actually be who I've called you to be. So how do we forget though sometimes that holiness is, is not based on our external performance anymore, but really who we are, Right. you know? Right. Uh, for me, um, I remember as a young a teenager when I was younger in my faith that I would go, you know, we would have those, I talked about this maybe um, in previous, uh, previous, or previous messages, that I would go to the altar and I would say, oh God, forgive me, I'm trying so hard, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. And I would go away and I'd right. sit and I'd do it again. Yeah. And then I'd come back the next, very next week and I'd be so sorrowful and I'm crying, I'm weeping at the altar and I'm sorry God, I, I'll try better next time. And i go out and i do it again. And you know, that, <clears throat> that for me was, I didn't have a full understanding or a grasp of just what Jesus has done for me. Right. I didn't understand that once I asked Jesus into my life, I didn't have to, it was almost like I had to come back and get resaved and get resaved right. and that's not how it works. Right. Once you get saved, then you just work it out through yeah. your, you know, talks about working it out. Um, and we work it out and we walk it out and then we come to an understanding that my body, you know, talking about the temple of the Holy Spirit. Right. I am the place where God's Spirit dwells. Right. And once we come to an understanding of that, and we're working it out, and we're and we're figuring it out, and we're and and it's not it, you can't get to you know it's not it's not anything that we've done to make us holy. Yeah. But everything that He's done to make us holy. Yeah. You know, that's by good. Him living on the inside of us. That's good. Yeah, that's that's good. So think about these priests here, just how you and I, what Jesus made us into and called us into being. These priests would have to believe in faith of what the sacrificial lamb had done for them. They would apply the blood to their life and they would obey the word of God by faith. And what happens sometimes is just like these priests, they thought that their work is really what made them holy. But the author of Hebrews in the New Testament is very clear in that, that it was never what they did that made them holy. It was simply their faith in the blood sacrifice that allowed them access into the presence of God. They had to obey the word of God by faith, apply the, the blood to their life. They had to put on the robes of righteousness that God had made for them. It was part of his veil. And so, in a sense, as they enter into the holy place, as they enter into the, the presence of God, they entered with blood covering. They entered veiled by the veil. The very robe they were making that they wore was made by the veil in the temple. So as, if, as they walked in, as, as if God only saw the veil, the veil of the robe that they wore covered their sins, the blood atoned for their sins. So they, God only saw them as holy. And that's the way Jesus and God has made it for you. When you become a Christian, God sees you as holy. He sees you covered by the blood of Jesus. He sees you wrapped in a veil where he can't see beyond that veil. And he's accepting that sacrifice instead of you. So now you can come past the altar. When Jesus died, He gave you His life, His Spirit, so now that you can live as He does, as who He is. So you have a high calling, you have a holy calling to be as Christ and live in the life He's called you to live in, and then to realize where you are and who you are in Christ. And perhaps, as we said, it's more of an identity issue for all of us, is realizing who we are. So how do you deal with these things? So Pastor Christian, I know sometimes it's easy to Think about, well, I'm going to do, out here was the external problems. 
I'm gonna stop drinking, stop smoking, stop having sex outside of marriage, stop gambling. I'm gonna do all these religious things. And sometimes that's what we re rely on. We, we all honestly rely on our own works right. to make us feel holy. But that's really not what's going on here. We, that's living in front of the altar. Right. We wanna live into the holy place. Mm -hmm. And I wanna think about these guys. Can you imagine, for instance, one of these guys, these priests, who's made a sacrifice, atone, he's about to go into this place on fear of death and then willfully coming in here and sinning. Can you imagine? He sets up a poker ring inside the holy place or he turns on HBO or he just lights up some cigarettes and he just starts drinking himself into a, you know, a, a phase, you know. How, I mean, it's almost unimaginable that they would do that, why? Because they knew where they were, right? right? And so God called them to be holy. He made them holy. So their responsibility now is to live out holiness. So think about this uh, in your life and in my life. What does it mean to be holy? How do we live here? And what qualified that priest to stand there? Nothing. He'd never done anything or nothing he could ever do would make him more holy than what God could do for him. Inside, yeah, he was still the same sinful man in his head, but because of what God was calling him to do, he was positionally holy before God. So what qualified him? Nothing. Number two, what could he do to be more holy? Nothing. Once he made it past the altar, there was nothing he could do to make himself any more holy. It was simply about what God had done and how he obeyed the word of God by faith. So just like you and me, once you go past the altar, there's nothing you can do by your own works to make you more holy. It's not turning off the TV. All those are great things. Turning off the TV, avoiding over drinking and, and doing bad things and thinking bad things and lying and cheating. All those things we should stop doing because of what Christ has done for us. But it doesn't make us holy. It's simply believing that God has made us holy. So we're living up to that calling. So what, Pastor Christian, keeps this man from sinning inside that place? What do you think? Well, what keeps him from sinning is, <laughs> well, God, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, and being in a constant reverent awe of who God is. Yeah. You know, we talk about, you know, how, you know, you're not going to come, he, did, he didn't go into that place even thinking probably about yeah. sinning because right. he, he was in a fear of, if I go into this place, and I have a sinful thought, or yeah. I'm, I'm living in sin, you know, whatever I did before I came in here, if I'm living in sin, I'm going to not come out of this. <laughs> yeah, you may not make it out. <laughs> You're right. not going to make it out at all. Yeah. You know, that's just how it is. And so for him, it was like, I'm not even thinking about, like, I'm just thinking about God and how, you know, good he is, what he's done for me, like, yeah. uh, what, you know, how, you know, I, I can't even imagine, you know, being one of these priests. Yeah. And walking into this place and how they must have just I mean you think about God's presence now and how awesome it is yeah. think about walking into the you know like and seeing all these all these emblems and things and the ark uh, the covenant for you know he's like there seeing it right that's God you know God's spirit and uh, think about that that's living on the inside of us yes why wouldn't we want to be holy right why what that's what drives us to be holy is right. to think man I'm a tabernacle of the Holy Spirit right God that same spirit that was with them is living on the inside yeah. of me that's what drives me to be holy to live holy to, yeah. to be more holy like I don't want like if we if we have a revelation of who God is we shouldn't want anything else that's right. but 
That's good. To be holy. And I think that's the problem perhaps for most of us is not realizing who we are mm -hmm. and what God has given to us. And if these guys, one of the things I've learned in my life is that if I'm pursuing God, I'm not pursuing anything else. If I'm in His Word, if I'm pursuing His Spirit in prayer, if I'm, if I'm longing to obey Him and doing His work, I really don't have time to entertain other thoughts or I'm not bothered by other things because like you said, one of these guys coming in and just being captivated that, oh my gosh, look at where I am. Mm -hmm. And for us, it should be, oh my gosh, look at who I am. Mm -hmm. And and grace should change us. That's the first thing is grace should change us. The price of sin wasn't cheap and now I've been set free from sin and so I have access into his presence. I think about what First John says in chapter three, verse three, and everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure that we're fixed on who He is, what He's done for us on the altar, and who He's made us to be. And if that's anything that we could really bring home today for us is that you have been separated from this world for a purpose, right. to be in God's presence for all eternity. That uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 7, Paul says, For God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. He's given you a holy calling. In another place, Paul says that you should uh, live worthy of that calling. Even in Hebrews, it talks about working out your salvation with fear and trembling, that God has called you special, peculiar, a holy people, Peter says, for his own possession, that you can proclaim to the world who he is. So for us, as soon as we come to the altar, we leave behind the external holiness. We say, God, I'm dead to those things. I die to that external stuff. I just die to my sin. And we go to the Word of God. We know what the Word of God says about what is sin and what is not. But beyond that, just like these priests, we are covered by the blood. We are wrapped in the veil of His presence so that we can have access into the most holy place. But inside, we all have that battlefield of the mind, that war. Romans 7 says, I, I, I know what I should do, and then I, I do it anyway, and right. I don't. There's things I know I should and shouldn't do, and I struggle with that, Paul says. Just like those priests, it's a struggle to stay focused on God. But here's what we don't want you to forget. You are still covered by the blood. You are still the holy place of the most holy God. And so know who you are and let God captivate you. This week, let God captivate you by His presence. Remember, by grace you are saved through faith. It's not, it's a, it's not works that you could boast in. It. It's a gift. So realize the gift and let it be your life's response to pursue His presence. And if you're pursuing His presence, if you're captivated by Him, if you have a reverent awe of who He is and who He's called you to be, you won't willfully fall into sin. The Apostle Paul said it this way. He said, there are works of the flesh. Those things lead to death. But then there's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And if we will go for the Spirit, if we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. If we live in the Spirit, we won't entertain the things of the flesh. And it's the things of the flesh that was works of the flesh, they'll never make you holy. The only way you can be holy is letting God work through you in the Holy Spirit. Obey His Holy Spirit by faith. Listen to what the Holy Spirit says. Just keep captivated by Him. And I'll close with this. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Do not copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. That's what God is doing. It's by His Spirit. But as I go into that holy place, I say, I'm just captivated by who God is, who He's made me to be. And I'm going to live holy because I want to be holy just as He is holy. So would you apply that to your life this week? You're called holy. You're made holy. 
so that you can be holy, not by your works, but by the work of the Holy Spirit. God says, come as you are at the altar. But past the altar, he says, I want you to come as I am, how I've called you and made you to be. Hey, thanks for listening in online today. We are so glad you're with us. Hey, if you need to know Jesus, click on our homepage. Go to sanctuaryfwc.com. We want to pray with you. It's a very simple thing to say, God, I give you my life, but it's going to cost us something. That's to say, I repent of my sin. I turn away from my way of thinking, living, and doing. I count the cost, but I want to know this Jesus who loves me, has given his life up for me. Would you take a moment and do that online? We want to connect with you and pray with you and that get you connected to the right place and leads you in the discipleship process. Where do you go from here? Next, families have home church. As we continue this season, be the church at home. Stand in your living rooms, pray, worship together, give online and say, God bless this home. Moms and dads, lead your children. Go to Right Now Media through our website and lead them in our kids program. And lastly, as you help us continue the mission of Sanctuary Family Worship Center, we are continuing to send missions around the world and here locally. You can give by text to give online or through the mail. And we love you. We hope to see you next week.